1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, and I'm here to help you be poderosa with your dinero. I'm an engineer, a blogger, and an entrepreneur that built a $50,000 side hustle, and I'm obsessed with all things personal finance. On this show, we're gonna talk about how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and how to make it grow. Are you ready? Vámonos. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and I am so excited today we are going to be talking to a Latina who is also a certified financial planner, and we're going to be talking about how you can stop letting money create stress in your life because money can be super friggin' stressful. We all know that, but there are key steps that you can take to feel more in control of your money. And so I can't wait to talk to Anna Njai Conte, certified financial planner and host of First Gen Realness Podcast. Anna is a passionate believer in the empowerment of women and minorities in America. She's a certified financial planner and the founder of Dare to Dream Financial Planning, a fee-only virtual financial planning firm that serves the needs of 30 and 40-something-year-old women of color who want to live boldly and make a lasting impact on their family tree. She's also the host of the First Gen Realness Podcast, There, she engages in conversations with her fellow first-generation Americans in order to reinforce their value and immense contributions to the fabric of America. By fostering a sense of community, she hopes to remind her peers that they matter, their stories are important, and that they are not alone in attempting to navigate multiple cultures with grace. Anna is a native New Yorker, a lover of all things related to food, Gambia, Latino history, West African culture, and literature. When she doesn't have her head buried in a spreadsheet, you can find her working out, rereading literary classics, hanging out with her husband and three daughters, or dreaming about her next adventure. All right, Anna, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you.
1: I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. One of the big reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because you are pretty Much a unicorn in the sense that you are a certified financial planner who is Afro Latina, mm-hmm. which does not exist essentially. <laughs> um, yeah. according to a recent Forbes article that I read, like less than four percent of over 80,000 CFPs that we have in this country are black mm-hmm. and Latino. So I can only yeah. imagine, like, a black Latina, it just doesn't exist, and I'm sure no. you. And you could talk all about that. But before we get into that, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, it is true. I am a bit of a unicorn, but um, I don't like it that way. I'll take it. Um,
0: yeah.
1: But <laughs> so um, my name is Alan Jay Conte. I am... Um, originally from New York City. Um, my mom is Puerto Rican and my dad is an immigrant from the Gambia, which is a very small country in West Africa. Um, and I um, am a certified financial planner that runs her own firm called uh, Dare to Dream Financial Planning.
0: Awesome. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Shout out to Boricuas. And Boricuas I in I feel the
1: like,
0: <laughs> Yes, the fact that you are half Puerto Rican is even... More amazing because I don't know anybody Puerto Rican that's in the financial industry. It's wild. You
1: know, I don't think I can think of any. I don't think I've even come across any now that you mentioned that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we got to change that. And I'm so glad that you're being a part of that wave of women of color that we need in this industry because whether or not you want to acknowledge it, like money affects everybody and we should all know how to use it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Like you're preaching to the choir girl. That is my, I'm going to beat that <laughs> drum until I die.
0: <laughs> yes. It's so important. So yeah. I love what you're doing and I want to know kind of how you got into this space. But before we get into that, I want to know like what your relationship was like with money growing up. Cause we all have a money yeah. story. Yeah. So can you talk
1: us through that? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I, I, my parent my family is pretty interesting so obviously coming from a mixed background i'd say they have two different relationships with money and that kind of led me to be where i am but i would say that i i think my money beliefs are mostly shaped by my mom's side um mm-hmm. so you know my mom is is puerto rican and like from very humble beginnings you know um like yeah. my family like They're jibaros from like Puerto Rico. They grew up on farms, like, like very humble beginnings. And, um, my grandmother was one of 18 children. Um, my, my I know, I know. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, it's kind of insane. Anytime I say that people like, you're just lying, but I, I (laughs) um, and you know, my mom, so you know, she, she left Puerto Rico as a child and just. Uh, sorry, as a young woman, and when my mom was a child, um, to come to the States to try to, like, just create a better life, right? And because yeah. my family had such humble beginnings, you know, and my mom's dad died literally the day she was born. So she, my mom was raised by a single mom. Um, and because they were so, they were, they just had nothing. I I really learned that like money wasn't for me, if that makes sense. And even though, you know, my mom and my, my titi Maria, who's my mom's older sister, they grew up to do pretty well for themselves, you know, like they both had professional jobs and my mom was the first in her family to go to college, which is amazing. But, you know, they just did not have a good relationship with money. I think it, and it kind of manifested in two ways. And those two things also kind of influenced me. My mom was like, you know, whatever money's not for me. So I'm just going to spend it and like mm. you know whatever like i'm not going to try and hold on to it cuz I, I it's not for me anyway and then my tte took the opposite tack and was like i literally like she died a few years ago and when we were going through her belongings we found like a notebook that she literally was like i spent a dollar 50 at pathmark and i wow. spent like 6 dollars over here and 150 dollars there and she had these books for like compositional books for like 10 years in her room and so I I feel like I kind of I grew up thinking that like I would never be rich I just wanted to be comfortable and then I kind of varied in between like being super stingy with myself and like trying to save every penny to like you know what like YOLO like I'm just gonna spend it and (laughs) and that kind of that kind of um like whenever I would get tired of like counting every dollar I would just kind of go nuts. And that was my relationship with it too, because it was very dysfunctional. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think I I resonated so much with that story because I think I was doing the same thing as I kind of came into my own as an adolescent, like, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up in a household where you don't get what you want because like your parents just can't afford it. And then I'm like the first to graduate from college in my family. Mm -hmm. I'm like working in tech and and Mm -hmm. science. So I'm getting paid well for like a 22 year old. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like wiling out because for the first time, I could actually like afford all these things that I couldn't afford when, you know, that we couldn't mm-hmm. afford as a family. Mm-hmm. And then it would create this cycle of like getting into massive amounts of debt, mm-hmm. then realizing, okay, I need to get my shit together. So mm-hmm. let me not do this for a while, pay off mm-hmm. the debt, say I'm never going to do it again. And six months later, I'm like $10,000 of credit card debt all over again. Yes.
1: It's so um, dysfunctional. It really is, and that's exactly how I would be. It would be like I would I would vary between like I got you know three thousand dollars in my savings account, like I'm good. I'm talking yeah. about like when I first graduated, and then you know a year down the road, I look at my credit card, I'm like, whoa, that's a seven thousand dollars. That's a lot. Um, yes. and now my savings account balance is down to like $900. And mm-hmm. that was really a challenge for me. And I didn't and it wasn't until I started to do a lot of work around my money mindset and my relationship with money that I realized like what was driving my behaviors and why it just wasn't going to work.
0: Yeah, that is so important. I don't think people realize like the power that your mind has around the decisions that you make with your money. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes so much sense. Like people talk about mindset when it comes to like your physical fitness, maybe Mm -hmm. even like your relationships with people. Mm -hmm. But the way that you value money has a lot to do with how you value yourself. Yes.
1: So, yes. And if you don't feel like you're worth it, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing It's like, I didn't think, you know, and this this touches all kinds of things, but you know, if you don't think you're worth it, quote unquote worth it, then you're not gonna ask for more money when you get a new job. You're not going to um even bother, you know, setting up the retirement account or creating an emergency fund or putting something away for your future. You're just not gonna bother with it because it's like you, you just are sort of like, you know, I, I don't deserve this. Or, you know, my family, there's a whole lot of, I'm sure you, you experience this too. Like there's a whole lot of guilt about, Oh my God. Like don't even I'm sitting, <laughs> I'm sitting with $5,000 in my bank account, but my primo over here is like struggling. And I, I shouldn't like, I, what what kind of person am I that I'm like mm-hmm. holding onto this money when I have family that like could use the help and like, would, um, see real tangible benefits from, from having it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally experienced that. And funny enough, um, a lot of it comes from my immediate family, which I just, mm-hmm. I find very ironic because, you know, there, we are, we're given this message that, you know, we need to go to school, get a good Mm -hmm. education so Mm -hmm. we can get good jobs and get Mm -hmm. paid a lot of money. But then when we start making that money and we start kind of ascending to this level of wealth that other people in our family have not, Mm -hmm. they kind of look at you like, oh, well, you know, you don't understand the struggle anymore. So don't give me advice because you are not in this place anymore. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, yo, but wasn't that the point like, why are we
1: shaming this? Exactly. And like, why are like, this is not the struggle Olympics. It is not a competition (laughs) about who's struggling more. Like that does not get anybody ahead on any, in any way, shape or form. It just keeps us like mired in this nonsense. And then, so like, you know, from my perspective, like you want Your daughter or your niece or whoever it is to be doing well with money, because that means like one, she's not going to be coming to you for things because she's Mm -hmm. set and she's secure. But then also like, just on a human level, like I'm good for you. Like, I'm so happy for you. You know, you're, you're doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a lot. We carry many burdens. So, you know, and I think it's a unique to the first gen people of color, like Mm -hmm. immigrant background and family. Like we just got all types of burdens
1: that other people don't understand. No. (laughs) And that was why, you know, when I started my firm, I wanted to specify specifically work with women of color because I said, listen, like you know, my background in the wealth management and, and investment management fields, you know, I all I saw was, frankly, a bunch of old white people. Right. And even if there were younger advisors of color, that's who they were trying to work with because they tend to have bigger portfolios. And so you get paid more and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, I wanted to be of service to that community and give them the tools that they needed. From somebody that's going to understand them well and not judge them for, you know, sending money to their cousin or, you know, having an iffy relationship with money and try to coach them through that. Like I wanted to serve to serve as a resource that way, because it is a really unique experience. And I think it's the kind of thing that unless you've experienced it, it's really hard to understand just how it plays into everything,
2: you know? Yes.
0: Such a good point. All right. So speaking of financial planning and your career, let's talk about that. How did you mm-hmm. actually get in this space and
1: where yeah. you are today? So it was really accidental. I mean, like I, we talked about my background a bit, but like I didn't even know this was a profession. And and mm-hmm. maybe if I had an idea, I just thought like, oh, it's a cosas de rico. You know, like that. <laughs> that's like like they might have some old white dude that they take to the country club and he'll manage their money. And like, OK, but that was not something that I even thought. So, you know, I graduated college in 2009, which was a rough time to Mm -hmm. be coming of age and trying to find your first job. Um, And so I fell into a job at um, planning events for people that wanted to invest in Latin America because I'm Latina, because I speak Spanish, they hired me for that. Um, And I ended up working on an event that was focused on the wealth management industry in Latin America. Mm-hmm. So, um, in planning that event and talking to people about the business, I just thought, you know what, like, this is something that I would love. Like, I like talking to people. I like helping. I like problem solving, like and I'm good at numbers, you know, all of those things kind of fit together. And so um, I was there for about a year. And then I jumped right into the industry um, at a large asset management firm called Alliance Bernstein in New York, um, as an assistant, and I just worked my way up from there, um, moving to a few different firms over the years. Awesome. So
0: what does it actually take to become a financial planner? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, um it's a lot of work to be honest. So, you know, there there are experience requirements. I think you have to work in the fin- the financial services industry for 3 years. Um bef- and then you have to take a year's worth of coursework just to cover like all, you know, insurance, and investments, and risk management, and cash flow management, um, you know, debt, um, retirement planning, like all of those, the estate planning trust, you have to do a full year of coursework on that stuff. And then you sit for an exam. Um, and at the end of that, hopefully you, you get your CFP marks. Okay.
0: And you have to maintain like an annual certification. Yes,
1: exactly. So I have continuing education requirements. It's 12 hours a year, Mm -hmm. um, of continuing education. And, you know, it can be on different topics, um, you know, estate planning or insurance now, or whatever it is, is that
0: something that your employer like pays for or is that something yeah. you have to kind of do on your own
1: i mean i think i think a lot of employers do I and mean, they should if yeah. you're you know if it's related minded luckily um but yeah i think most of them do but it is it it does get really pricey like the coursework i think was probably fifteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. um when i was doing it um and then the exam cost maybe another five hundred dollars and um, the, the, the annual renewal fees or another 300 something. So it can get really pricey. Um, luckily when I was at my, my previous job, they covered all of that stuff. Okay.
0: Yeah. I could totally see how that would make people who maybe don't necessarily have that type of employer sponsorship, Mm -hmm. like second guess if they even want to do this. And that's probably one of the reasons why we see such low numbers with black and Latino CFPs because, you know, Mm -hmm. monetary, um, expenses related to all these certifications is is something that you know many of us cannot
1: afford unfortunately absolutely absolutely and and I think you know the just like with anything you can do this job without having the CFP um so you know if you don't have the resources to pay for it and your employer is not willing to pay for it like I can see a lot of people just foregoing it um yeah. because you know that's that's 2 3000 dollars right there
0: mm mm-hmm. mhm so, I'm curious because clearly you're in an industry that is super white, mm-hmm. super male, you know or like yeah. hey burner says, "Hella male, hella pale," right <laughs> and uh, <I> like that <laughs> and so I'm curious like, do you have any stories about being a woman of color in the personal finance or the um, financial planning yeah. space? You can only imagine. <laughs> oh,
1: goodness, boy, do I have stories um. Yeah, so it is definitely like hella male, hella pale, as you said, very like <laughs> boys club, country club kind of thing. Um, I would say the one that really cemented to me that I needed to get out in that it was <laughs> the most the most clear what was going on. So, you know, at my last job, I was hired to be a junior advisor. Um, for like one of the top ten Uh, financial advisors at my firm and it's a pretty big firm I think they had like 2,000 advisors so she was Mm -hmm. high up there and it was a woman too I was like I'm gonna learn so much from her you know I'm a really driven Mm -hmm. ambitious person I was like I'm gonna learn and this is gonna be great and she's gonna take me under her wing and I'm gonna and she was making boatloads of money and I was like I'm gonna make boatloads of money and this is gonna be amazing and I and so we were on a team of there were five of us that worked to support her And so it was me and another guy that were supposed to be like her right and left hand people, right. Um, Mm -hmm. To do everything and to kind of take a lot of work off of her so that she could go out and run. So I worked for her for, I want to say like nine months and about a month before I ended up leaving, you know, there was a me so pasar por mucha poca vergüenza como se dice you know so um there were lots of little things and I was like you know she's just kind of hard to deal with but like that's just how she is but about a month before I left that team my my the other guy who was the other junior advisor comes to me and he's like listen uh she wants you you to get her tea before every meeting (laughs) You And and, and she wouldn't come to me with that because she knows what she was doing, right? She knew what she was doing. She made him go have this ridiculous conversation with me. And I looked at him and I'm like, there are support staff. There's a receptionist here as well. Uh, The kitchen is on the way to the conference room from her office. So you want to explain to me why it's my job, like to put me in my place, right? Because at that wow. point, I had been there for a while, and I was clamoring to get more responsibilities. Like I'm proving myself. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. And that was like a way to like keep me small. And and I remember saying to him, I was like, I didn't get an MBA, and I don't work like an animal to fetch her tea. You
0: know, I know that's like,
1: great. Like I don't. And so I was like, okay, this is very clear that I need to get out of here.
0: Wow. Mm-mm-mm. Girl. I know. I can only imagine that's one of many fucking stories because yeah. these, these people out here are wild. Like, And this <laughs> is
1: a very liberal, I mean, this was a very liberal person too. Like she wore her Hillary pin all day long, but she still, mm. and I was, you know, this was at an office in DC. So like relatively liberal area, you know? Um, yeah. Yo. That's and she, crazy. Yeah, I wasn't in Arkansas. <laughs>
0: That is insane, especially with the conversations that we're all having about race right now. Like Mm -hmm. people don't even want to acknowledge their races because they think that because they're Democrats, it's like, but I that means I love everybody, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I don't see color. Like, okay.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. She doesn't see color. She doesn't see who you are. Mm -hmm. And I hate that phrase because it's just like, no, I actually want you to acknowledge that I'm not the same as you. So don't. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yes, absolutely. And like, it's not even to like make people feel bad or any kind of way. It's just like, I am a different person and I deserve to be acknowledged like that. Just like you would acknowledge I'm a woman um, yeah. versus a man like that shouldn't be any different.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a crazy ass story. I, okay. So I can clearly see why you decided, you know what, this corporate America life is not for me. I'm going to go mm-hmm. and create my own thing. So tell us about that. How did you yeah. even go about that
1: process? Yeah, um it was I mean it, it was a long time coming like I I when I when I first started the firm I kind of looked back at my journals and I was like wow I've been journaling about this for like 4 years um before I actually mm. did it. But um the process is a little bit strenuous so I had to end up leaving my job because you can't like it's not the kind of thing where you can have a side hustle and build the business while you're working yeah. doing the same thing. So I had to leave cut ties and then go about creating the business. So You know, I was registered as a registered independent um, investment advisor, RIA, Um, Mm -hmm. and that includes more paperwork than you can ever imagine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And um, about six months later, I was ready to go.
0: Amazing. So what was your goal and what is your goal with your company and what is it called?
1: Yeah. So my company is called Dare to Dream Financial Planning. um, And my goal, like I said before, is to, you know, I think, I think going back to my background, right? Like my, because my family came from such humble beginnings, right? They, they taught me to like, go to school, get a job, y ahí te quedas. Like, like stay there for 50 years and then you retire and you're done. And like, be happy with that, you know? Yeah. and, 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 and so I think that that search for safety and certainty led me to, like, play really small, right? And I see yeah. that a lot in our communities, right? Like, we're not necessarily going for the big thing because we think that's not for us, like, whether that be money or a career or whatever it is. Um, I think that that's really pervasive because, you know, I mean, when you're coming from nothing, it's hard to dream about going to some like really big heights. Right. And so I wanted to serve as uh, somebody who can, through running the numbers and doing the planning, help you achieve whatever crazy dream it is that you have, you know? Um, And like I said, I want to work with women of color and I do work with women of color uh, that are, you know, on the younger side, thirties and forties to help them create that dream life that they only kind of vaguely thought was possible, you know, and to run the numbers and give them the strategy to get there. Amazing. Okay, so since you
0: are working with women of color primarily, Mm -hmm. I know that you must be, you know, just getting a sense of the unique struggles that we deal with. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the limiting beliefs that your clients deal with and how do you help them overcome them?
1: Yeah, Um, I mean, I think the guilt that we talked about before is a big one, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, guilt for for. Uh, investing in themselves first before giving to their family. Um, yeah. I think, you know, thinking that money is not for them um, or that there it's there's something wrong with money or that, um, you know, there's something wrong with having money is a big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th-
0: I feel like I th- some of that comes from religion.
1: Like, I feel like mm-hmm. we are like yeah.
0: kind of programmed to believe that like wealth is or money is the root of all evil because, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible is like, you know, the greed as like a sin and all this stuff. And it's just yeah. like the the messages we get in the media, too, It's just like,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: Wall Street and they just want to take your money and ruin your life. And mm-hmm. it's like, why would I want to get involved in that? So there's yeah. so many things, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. And I think, you know, being the one that makes it um, mm. is, is a really big mind trip, I think, um, for yeah. a lot of my clients, right? And so that comes with the guilt of, or the feelings of uncertainty and insecurity and scarcity. And also, you know, n- yeah.
0: Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero.
1: Just feeling icky about having more than everybody else that, that's in your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I'm curious, like what your thoughts are on why personal finance literacy should matter to women of color specifically? Yeah. Like, why do why should we
1: care about this? Well, you know, the thing the thing for me is, is like money has choices, right? Money gives mm. you choices. And we have so you know, we have so much working against us. Um, as people of color, you have the wage gap, you have just systemic racism. Like we're, we're, we're all seeing and talking about these days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you also just have your regular interpersonal things, you know, you, um, you, you have these family dynamics that might not, um, favor you if you are doing better financially than others. And I think if you, if you are, It just gives you having money and having the literacy and understanding uh, how to manage your money gives you the ability to to make the choices you want to and not the choices you have to. Mm. Um, And I think, you know. Being able to say to the bad husband, like, you know what, I'm getting a divorce and I'm done and I'm not going to stick around here just just because I'm worried about paying paying for the bills on my own, Um, you know, being able to leave the bad job because you are financially stable enough is important, you know, being able to move out of your family's house. Because the environment, you know, the the uh, family environment is toxic, the dynamics are toxic, and you just are you're just done and it's and it's better for you to be gone. You know, all of those things are facilitated with money. And so That's I think so the more women are financially empowered and as women of color, we are like further behind the ball than, than white women are too. I mean, it's a problem for them too, but it's just more, more so for us, the more that we're empowered financially, the more we're going to live like beautiful, vibrant, healthy, fabulous lives, you know? And I think that's what everybody wants, right? Like, doesn't everybody just want to live their dream life and whatever that may be, it's going to look different for me than it is for you. But like, that's all we want. And money just is a tool to do that. That
0: is so true. And um, it makes me think of, um, like, financial abuse is something that I've Mm -hmm. only recently heard of, right? And I think it, once I started really, like, diving in and learning about it, I realized, like, oh, my God, this is, like, one of the reasons why so many of my like relatives stayed in relationships Mm -hmm. because they were dependent on money. And as a woman, like that's a big ass deal to be able Mm -hmm. to just walk away from a shitty situation because you really are not dependent. Like, I, I don't Mm -hmm. think, I don't think people realize like the, the level of freedom that you get with just Knowing how to manage your money and being yes. able to not have to be dependent on anybody else, like that is
1: true freedom, yes, absolutely and i see i've I've seen that a lot in my family too, like I can't even tell you I could be here all day talking about that, but it and it and it breaks my heart, and I just you know if I get to help one woman not be in that type of position, you know to feel empowered that you know, whatever she makes, she can figure out a way to make it work and, and live life on her own terms. You know, mm-hmm. um, if I can help one woman do that, like I will die happy that, that is like, that's so big. Cause I saw so much of this nonsense, like you said, like financial abuse and people staying in like physically abusive relationships because they just can't, they're scared, you know, yeah. what is it yeah. going to be like raising two kids on my own? You know, I can't, I can't do that. Um, so mm-hmm. you're going to stay with this guy. And, and, you know, it's, it's really heartbreaking to witness. And, you know, when you're younger, you don't really realize it. But now that I'm older, the more that I see what it is when you are financially empowered and when you can make those choices, I'm like, this is, this is it. This is the key. Yeah, no, it makes so much sense.
0: All right. So I'm curious, what does financial self-care mean to you?
1: Um. I think you know pay myself first making sure mm. that i am doing that you know i'm not a fan of like tracking every single penny of what i earn me either. and spend <laughs> i don't i don't think it works so you know i i teach clients to set up like a rough um you pay yourself first you you save first or you pay off debt whatever that looks like for you in your particular financial situation and then you enjoy the rest and for me knowing that I have my priorities, like, you know, me and my husband sit down um, a couple times a year and say, like, what are our priorities? These are our priorities. And then those are the things that we're going to send our money to. Mm -hmm. Oh,
0: did I lose you? Okay. So I'm curious, what does financial self-care mean to you?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, financial self-care really just means prioritizing my my financial goals first, right? So I teach mm-hmm. my clients to pay yourself first. So I, I teach a simple um, uh, formula of income minus savings equals expenses. And that's what I follow in my personal life. Right. So I, um, my husband and I kind of sit down maybe three or four times a year, um, and go through our priorities, like our financial priorities, our goals, what we want to achieve. And then we set those up to be taken care of, whether that be debt payoff or savings goals that we have. Um, and we'd set that up first and then we kind of spend the rest, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and knowing that my priorities are taken care of and that they are prioritized, <laughs> yes. um, really like it, it just, it just frees me up to live without a lot of financial stress that I had lived with in the past when I didn't set things up like that. Um, That's so it so really, true. Yeah. It, it, it just, I used to do the thing where like every month I would sit down and like, okay, how much am I going to save this month? And it just mm-hmm. doesn't, it, I, I don't find that it works. Um, and I see that now that we're automating, I literally looked at my Mint, I use Mint to track our finances and all that. And I looked mm-hmm. today and I was like, wow, this is, our net worth is a lot higher than I thought it would be. And it's mm-hmm. because I'm just like setting it and forgetting it. And, you know, just I, it, it, it's taken care of. So it's, it's not a stressor. Yes, I am
0: such a firm believer. I like I feel like I'm anti-budget in the sense mm-hmm. that like this whole thing about giving every single dollar a job and like spending 17 mm-hmm. hours a day like tracking every penny yeah. that I spent, like I can't do it. It no. was I felt like is there something wrong with me because this is just not working for me. And then I began to realize, no, it's just like I'm not using a method that works for my personality.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: What ended up working for me is like, I have several different accounts. Mm -hmm. I put different amounts of money in them. I automate my investing. I Mm -hmm. automate my savings because I don't want to think about it. Like I I have enough things to do. And as long as like, I know what I'm trying to accomplish and I'm not like sabotaging that by just spending too much here and there. I mean, it shouldn't be that complicated to have a budget.
1: No, (laughs) I think that's what freaks people out. It, it really does. I agree 100% because like, you know, I used to listen to Dave Ramsey and mm. Dave Ramsey is the guy that he wants you to give every dollar a job. And yeah. I used to not understand. I used to spend time like literally inputting my grocery receipts into Excel (laughs) spreadsheets. And I was like, why am I not like, why am I spinning out of control or like not getting anywhere? And it was because it just wasn't what worked for my personality. And to be honest, I feel like most people are not of the personality that, 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 that works for them. Um, So yeah, I do the same thing. Like I automate my kids 529 savings. I, You know, my husband contributes to his 401k at work automatically, obviously. Um, I automate automate my my own retirement savings, are investing, like bill pay, everything. Because Mm -hmm. I have kids and I want to live my best life and I want to spend time with my kids and be able to, you know, run around with them outside and not think, oh, my God, did I pay the gas bill? Or, right. oh my God, did I did I remember to pay extra on the mortgage this month? Like, I don't ever want to have to deal with that. I just want to mm-hmm. have it go. And then, you know, obviously I'm going to pay attention to it, but I'm not going to sit here like every day and input receipts. And No, thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's an important message because if you are freaked out about getting your financial shit together because just the idea of a budget stresses you out, there are mm-hmm. so many ways to – like make your money work in a way that suits you. So just go out there, explore. There are a ton of options. Dave Ramsey is not the only person dishing out budgeting advice. FYI. Absolutely,
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and I love that bucket approach that you mentioned before. Like I use the same thing. It makes my husband mm-hmm. kind of crazy. He's like, why do we have so many accounts? It's too much, but, um, <laughs> but he's not the one that's paying the bills and all of that stuff. So right. like, leave me alone. I, I got it. I got it. Um, just exactly. know that this is the one you need to worry about. Um, yes. but I think it, it provides a lot of clarity and I think, you know, just knowing like this is for that and this is for that and this is for that is, is really helpful. Um, you know, culturally, I think, We're just used to having like one savings account and like you're Mm -hmm. taught to save, but like I just dump all the money in here and this is like a catch all, like it's supposed to be my emergency fund and maybe it's a down payment fund or maybe I pull from there to buy a car or or whatever. And I just, I think that when, when your money is trying to do all of that at once, it just doesn't work. Absolutely.
0: And nowadays, there are so many different bank accounts that you can get that you can actually segment the amount of money in there into different buckets. So like I use an ally online savings, uh, high yield savings account, Mm -hmm. and you can create, I think, up to 10 categories. So I Mm -hmm. have that account and it is split out like I got a little section for my dogs in case they have a veterinary emergency or I got to buy gifts for people for Christmas or Mm -hmm. my vacation. And then, you know, you don't have to track 10 different accounts at different, 10 different banks. You can just have mm-hmm. these buckets. Yeah. And it's literally like the envelope system, except it's all mm-hmm. digital,
1: right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think it's incredible. Yeah, I think Cap- Capital One 360 does something similar too. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really great. Awesome.
0: Okay, so along these lines of like getting your financial shit together, What advice would you give to somebody who wants to get control of their finances, but just doesn't even know where to
1: start? Um, I'd say getting organized is probably the most important thing. Um, Knowing where your money is, how much you, how much money you have, what your assets are, just preparing like a net worth statement. So listing out all your assets, your, your checking account, your savings account, if you own a home, like all of those things, knowing what you owe and who you owe, um, as well and and just having clarity on that i think can be a really powerful first step because i think a lot of people live with this like generalized money anxiety because they just feel out of control and like i don't know where things are or um i don't know how much i actually have or how much i owe um and and it can just lead people to bury bury their heads in the sand and not pay attention to it
0: yeah You cannot fight a problem. You cannot see and understand. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your podcast.
1: Yeah. So um, I am the host of the First Gen Realness podcast. And, you know, the idea is to serve as like a community space for first generation Americans to talk about like the real issues that are unique to us. And I think that really transcend cultures, um, regardless of where your parents or your family comes from, I think a lot of those are unique. Um, and I wanted to give a voice to that unique perspective. Um, mm-hmm. so I do some solo shows. I do some, I'll, but mostly interviews, frankly, um, cause mm-hmm. so I think it's more interesting than just hearing me talk. Um, mm-hmm. And we just talk about people's career trajectories and their identity struggles and, you know, all, all kinds of cool stuff.
0: That's amazing. I love that you created that space. And I think it's so important to continue to have these discussions about, like, how our cultures and our backgrounds and our families, like, really shape, up, shape us in this country, mm-hmm. you know, because we have this unique experience, especially as first gen. Like, we're balancing the expectations of our our homes and Mm -hmm. the cultural expectations of where we come from, but then trying to assimilate into this American way. And it's a lot like that, that shit is stressful.
1: It is, it is. And like, I didn't, I didn't used to realize how stressful it was until I got older. And then, you know, when I got, got married and I saw my husband and his siblings struggling with this stuff too. And mm-hmm. I was just like, is everybody, I thought I was just kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> And I was the only no, one girl, having girl, it is not I, just you. I, yeah. And I, when I started to realize, I was like, damn, um, we have to, we have to figure out something here. And um, my idea was to, you know, I didn't really know how I wanted to do it, but the idea came to me last year and I was like, this is it. Like this is the way I'm going to contribute to that. Cause I would have loved somebody to be around for me 20 years ago to tell me like, yes, it's totally normal to feel like you're not really American and you're not really this. And, you know, you are not, um, you're not being the ideal, um, Puerto Rican and you're not, you know, just like being in between all of this, um, like not getting who, who I remember I was probably in like 10th grade in high school And we had like a spirit week celebration. All of my classmates were so excited about Billy Joel. And I was like, who is Billy Joel? Um, (laughs) I was like, what are you talking about? Because all I ever listened to growing up was like salsa and merengue. That was it. And so I was like, I don't don't understand this. And I felt like such a weird human being that um, I didn't understand some of these things. But it's just, that's the first gen experience, you know? It absolutely is. And it
0: just reminds me like of, you know, side comments and things that I've gotten over the years. Cause you know, God forbid you're like a good student and you're like, Mm -hmm. you talk white, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Like I've always felt not Latina enough for my Puerto Rican family. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm just like this, you know, bougie ass (laughs) successful, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. like American. But then at the Mm -hmm. same time, I don't feel like one of the girls in my super white employer, like, you know, and so there's this thing, you know, we're doing code switching just Mm -hmm. so that we can fit into the environment that we're in. And we're Mm -hmm. always like wearing this mask depending on who we're dealing with. And it's exhausting.
1: It is like, it's mentally exhausting. And you always are left with this feeling of like, I'm not enough or I'm not doing enough yeah and that was something I used to beat myself up over and and for me because I'm mixed too it was really like I was like I I can't be anything to anybody I can't be everything like I'm just I'm always going to be the odd woman out and um it's it's really a struggle and I and I feel like we spend so much time trying to follow like this mixed messaging and it's it's hard yeah
0: I I love the concept of the podcast. Everybody, please go and subscribe because that sounds like a conversation that many of us are having. And it's great that you're providing a space to continue that conversation and broadcast it out. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not alone. Yeah. All right. So I'm curious, do you have a money mantra and what is it?
1: Oh, you know, you, 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 you're you're asking me questions that are tough. I do a lot right. of affirmations. <laughs> um, I okay. do a lot of affirmations, but I do, you know, I just, I am, I try to make a choice every day to live a full, abundant life, right? And whatever okay. that means.
2: to find out if it's right for you.
1: Means For me, um, and that changes and it changes day to day. Sometimes it changes month to month, um, but that is my focus and what I, what I try to, to use as like the guiding force for my life. Mm-hmm.
0: And so when you say an abundant life, mm-hmm. I know you're not just talking about money. So like, no. what does that mean in totality?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just want to live a life that like when I'm an old lady sitting in a chair and can barely walk, like I want to be able to say like, I did that. I lived mm-hmm. a great life. And like, even though I can barely walk now, like I, I did everything I ever wanted to, you know, Yeah. Um, abundant in experiences in beautiful relationships like meaningful relationships um and i've been blessed with like an incredible family so i already have that and i have had it since day one um but you know continuing to nurture those and find new ones um and you know experiences and also money too like i want because money is the tool for that um yeah for for achieving a lot of the things that i want to achieve in my life
0: i love that all right, Anna, so if we want to find out more about you and follow your journey, where can we find you?
1: Yeah, so um, I mostly hang out for, for social media purposes. I mostly hang out on Instagram and Twitter, and my handle's the same. It's at uh, A-N-J-I-E-K-O-N-T-E, um, and I also have a blog, so you can follow me along there. It's uh, daretodreamplanning.com forward slash blog. Awesome. This has
0: been an amazing conversation. I feel like people are going to freak out about the fact that you are a CFP because I know personally I have been approached by several people and are Mm -hmm. like, Can you recommend a Latina CFP to me? And I'm like, No, I cannot because I don't know them. (laughs) There are none. That's because there are none. (laughs) So if you have been in the market for a certified financial planner who actually understands your cultural background, who's not some old ass white dude who has no concept of like what it means to be Latina, to be first Mm -hmm. gen, to be a millennial, to have these, these additional burdens that we spoke about on this, this podcast, like whether it's, you know, you got a plan for uh, securing your parents' financial future Mm -hmm. because they don't have a retirement whether you're trying to help your niece with college because her mom can't do it. Like, we got a lot of shit to plan for and it probably makes sense for you to talk to somebody who can actually understand those burdens. So Anna is your girl,
1: okay? Yes, I am. I'll let you (laughs) go.
0: This has been an amazing conversation. I'm so happy we're connected. And amazing.
1: I, um, you're doing an event with Ally coming up, correct? I am. Yeah. So Ally. Tell us about is, it. Um, so their host, Ally Invest is hosting a uh, investment conference and I'm going to be interviewed by their chief investment officer. And she and I are going to talk about like the unique challenges that women of color face in investing. So that's I love gonna... that
0: this is even something that people care about talking about
1: right God, now. That's amazing. I know, I know. I'm so like, I, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I'm so excited. Like I looked like one of those, um, when I got the email asking me to be a part of this, I looked like one of those, um, inflatable dolls in the, in the car, <laughs> car, car sales lot. I was like waving my arms, like a crazy person. <laughs> I was like, yes, they get it. They get it. Um, awesome. so I'm so excited about it. And I think, um, I think it's going to be really, really cool. And, and also like the the conference itself just gives general um, information. It's free, um, general investment information. So from basics to like really complex option strategies and stuff like that. So I think it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a, a good thing for people to check out.
0: Awesome. Anna, thank you so, so much. This was awesome.
1: Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. I hope you loved this episode with Anna, and I hope that we have inspired you to take control of your money and stop letting it create stress for you. We have to take the time to educate ourselves on organizing our finances, choosing systems that we can implement to assist us with achieving our goals, and giving ourselves a break for not being perfect at our finances. At the end of the day, I didn't learn this stuff. I'm sure you didn't either. So let's Forgive ourselves, let us practice grace with ourselves, and let's just keep trying. Because the more that you practice managing your money and controlling it versus letting it control you, the better you will get. If you're interested in watching the webinar that Anna did about investing for women of color, you can head over to Ally's YouTube channel and search for Combating the Wealth Gap Head On. That's the name of the webinar, and they have actually a ton of different awesome videos all about investing on the Ally YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out. If you're loving this podcast and you're ready to take your dinero to the next level, make sure you check out the YQD community. This community is a Patreon membership community that gets you exclusive access to the Yo Quiero Dinero Slack group. You get access to Janice and other subscribers to help you accomplish your money goals. Plus get free exclusive access to all YQD live events and monthly meetups with Janice and other guests from the podcast. you get a free t-shirt, 50% off private one-on-one coaching, and more. To find out more, head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com and check out our Patreon community subscription options. You can also head over to Patreon.com slash YoQuieroDineroPodcast for more information, or go to our Instagram and click on the link in our bio. As a reminder, if you're loving the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. That way amazing listeners like you can find us too. We want everybody out here being poderosa with their money. And so if they know about us, they can start doing that too. If you don't already follow us on social media, make sure that you follow the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and even TikTok. Yep, we're doing TikToks too. And don't forget to visit the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast blog where you can find episode show notes as well as personal finance articles, news about events, and more. Until next time, guys, stay inspired, stay confident, and stay poderosa.